Hey guys, I want to welcome you to uh, this liturgy worship. Uh, as always, just a reminder that there are other links uh, where you found uh, this link. If you want the family worship guide, if you want a link to uh, uh, worship through singing, uh, please uh, reference the email or website, social media, and uh, it'll lead you there. Uh, so we are uh, super uh, grateful and thankful that you are joining us. And I uh, just want to uh, take the time here at the very beginning uh, just to prepare our hearts and uh, center uh, our hearts and our minds, our affections uh, on Jesus. And so um, I don't know uh, what uh, took place in your home uh, prior to this, uh, maybe uh, cleaning up breakfast and uh, kids throwing stuff all over the place, whatever it may be. So let's just take a, a few moments uh, of silence and just uh, uh, center our, our heart and our minds uh, on Jesus. I want to read this over us to start. Isaiah 43, it says this. Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, the one who formed you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name and you are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire, and the flame will not burn you. For I am Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I gave my son as a ransom for you. I substituted my son in your place. Why? Because you are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. Confession is a time when we come before God and honestly admit our shortcomings. Read this prayer of confession along with me. Lord, we desire the things that you give us more than we want you. We find our joy in entertainment, possessions, accomplishments, and our status. But when suffering comes into our lives, those things are exposed for the counterfeits that they are. Without your presence and favor, nothing can give us true freedom and joy. We want to receive the good gifts you give us with thanks, and we want to set our heart, soul, mind, and strength on you. Let's now remember the forgiveness that God shows us, shows us based on his grace. Read these words of assurance along with me from the song, Because He Lives. God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Thanks be to God. We're now going to move into a time of uh, prayer together. Um, when Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees, well, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered, citing Deuteronomy 6, saying, uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, 
your mind, and your strength. This is the great and first commandment. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the opportunity to pray through that commandment um, today. So first, uh, we'll take a little pause, and I'd like for you to take some time to consider what it means to, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then um, after that, I'll, I'll kind of pray us out. I'm going to use Psalm 86 um, as my prayer. So if in that time when you're praying and, and we pause the video, if you want to go open to that psalm and you can follow along, I, I like it because it, it does mention it heart and, and, and soul and mind and, and loving your God with those things. And so um, what, what I would ask is that um, what, kind of the framework to, to maybe um, for this prayer is with your heart, Pray that your affections and desires be oriented towards God and not towards yourself. For your soul, um, pray that you would um, find rest in God alone and that you would not fear death. For your mind, um, pray that your mind would be uh, consumed with an understanding of God's love um, for you. In your strength, just pray that your physical energy and your actual strength will be used in ways um, that love um, others and bring honor and glory to God. So now we're going to pause the video, take the time. Um, those points will be on, on the screen and you can take the time to, to pray through them um, with whoever you're with right now. Now um, pray with me as I read um, Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for you, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. There are no other works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my, my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have riven up against me, and a band of ruthless men seeks my life. But, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may be put to shame because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Amen. Um, I also want to remind you at this time to continue worship through giving. You know, it's, at this time that we're, we're not together, we still have uh, options and, and ways that we can give. We give through text. We can give online. Um, you can even just mail in your tithes and offerings. And so any of those ways are listed on the website at provroad.org give. Um, and if you have needs, uh, we want to know what those are. So as we worship in giving, 
We also would like to know if there's opportunities for us to serve you in any way um, that we can. We love you guys. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 16. With the time we have remaining this morning, we're, we're going to look at what gave David so much confidence in his future, how that changed the way he lived despite the uncertainty of his current circumstances, and what all of this means for you and me today. Recently, I came across this quote by Corey Ten Boom. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, it piqued my interest enough to ask those around me what they knew about her and her family, and then also to pick up The Hidden Life, which she wrote about her family and their experiences in 1971. I've become so fascinated with her story. Growing up in the Netherlands, her family raised her to love God and be devoted to His Word. Their faith in God was real, and history would prove this to be true. She was 48 years old when the Nazis invaded her country. Risking their own livelihood, Corey and her family began taking in and protecting Jews who were in danger of being tortured and executed at the hand of the Nazis. It's estimated that they saved around 800 Jews and other refugees in this time. But by 1944, they were found out and their, her entire family was thrown in prison. Ten days after their arrest, Corey's father died in prison. And a little later on, Corey and her sister were transported to a concentration camp which is where her sister, Betsy, died. Now, I've yet to finish reading The Hiding Place, but I have to believe at some point in her life that she doubted God. At some point, she surely had to question His goodness. She had ample opportunity in her life to bail on her faith, or at minimum, question the good plans of God. She experienced severe illness herself, she was tortured at the hands of the Nazis, and she watched those she loved most die tragic deaths. In the midst of her hardship, she had no clue what her future would hold. She did not know as she would hurry Jews in behind a false wall in her bedroom, whether or not Nazis would come in and torture both the Jews that she was hiding and her family for their rebellion. Yet she was content with that unknown. She truly embodied those words to her core, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, I wonder how many of us right now, followers of Jesus, are afraid to trust our unknown future to our known God. Things are difficult for us right now because we see only in part. We don't know what the end result of all of this is going to be, with people getting sick and others losing their jobs, and, and many without access to basic necessities like food and shelter. Everyone, to some degree or another, is suffering right now. But as I've been studying Psalm 16, it's caused me to think on this idea of, of us trusting in God with our future despite having so many unknowns in our present reality. How can I be expected to trust God with my future when I have so many fears and anxieties right now, today? But I think what David writes in Psalm 16 can be helpful for us. And so let's look there right now. We're going to start towards the end in verse 9. David says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. Now for the readers of the Old Testament leading up to the time before Jesus, they likely would have been confused here. David, what do you mean your soul won't see, be abandoned, and your Holy One won't see corruption? 
These words can be interchanged with hell, the grave, destruction, and decay. David seems to be rejoicing that his body will not be put in the grave and it will not experience destruction. And we know that David's body is still in the grave. David died. Now let's look to the New Testament for help, where Peter and Paul both cite this text on different occasions. First with Peter in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 25. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And now Peter adds a little commentary here. He says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So Peter makes it very clear. It sounds like he's even willing to take those folks to the graveyard. Y'all want to go see his tomb? It's still there. David's body is still in the grave. Paul develops the same argument in Acts 13, verse 35. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers, and he saw corruption. David saw corruption. Peter and Paul use the same word here that also means decay. His body, David's body, is in the tomb right now. So why, friends, does David say that his flesh dwells secure? His soul won't be abandoned, and the Holy One won't stay in the grave. Well, if it's not obvious by now, we can, we can see by their deduction that he wasn't talking about himself. What stands out to me from Acts 2 is what Peter says just before he begins quoting Psalm 16, for David says concerning him. David doesn't say concerning himself. David says concerning him. So who's him? Verse 30 of Acts chapter 2. David, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and he spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he would not be abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And just for added confirmation, Paul says similar things in Acts 13. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Jesus did not decay. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So what we see, let's tie all this together. What we see in Psalm 16 is David anchoring his life, setting his attention on the resurrection of Christ about a thousand years before it actually takes place. He fully trusted in God with his unknown future because of the resurrection, the coming resurrection of Jesus. So because he would not, would come one day and he would not see corruption, his body would not be left to decay in the grave, David's present reality was transformed. So how do we see this? Well, from verse 1, we see that God was David's shelter. He was his safe place. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now implied here is that there's some sort of danger he's facing. 
We don't know the circumstances surrounding uh, David as he was writing this specific psalm, but he's crying out to be preserved or kept or saved or guarded. David's request for God to preserve him is rooted in his belief that he believes God can actually do it. You don't cry out to someone who you don't think can actually save you. Let's say, for instance, that an armed robber tries to break into my home this evening, and I see a weapon on this person, and they try to they threaten my family, and they try to take some of our things. Now, in that moment, would it be wise for me to go next door to my elderly widowed neighbor and cry for help? Or, or should I call for my, one of my three young kids upstairs and say, hey, come down and help daddy and save me in this situation? Well, no, not if I want to live, right? In that moment, I'm going to call the police and say, there's someone in my home with a weapon. Come and save me because I believe that they can do something about it. David believed that God could save him. Other place, he echoes this security in God. In this psalm, verse 5, he says, The Lord holds my lot. In verse 8, he says, Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. God was David's safe place, his security, his shelter. David trusted in the promises of God, and that one day a true and better king was coming to defeat death and the grave. And at all times, but especially in times of trouble, he cried out to God, the one who he believed could save him. We also see that David's joy was rooted in God. Verse 2, he says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Now, your Bible likely has that word Lord looking different. In the beginning, it's all caps. In the second Lord, only the first letter is capitalized. So he's saying, I say to God, Yahweh, you are my master. And he continues on, I have no good apart from you. Now, David had a lot of stuff. He was the king, and he enjoyed things that you and I may not even enjoy today. And yet he knew that anything that he had, all the good things that he had, would not be good if he didn't acknowledge that they came from God. Joe Rigney, who is a uh, professor at Bethlehem Seminary, says this of Psalm 16, 1 and 2. The fundamental declaration here is that God is our Lord and our good. In fact, all the goods that are good come from the good that is God. David knew that despite all of the good things that he had, they would not be good to him if he received and enjoyed them apart from God. Elsewhere in this psalm, he echoes his joy in the Lord. Verse 6, I have a beautiful inheritance. Verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Verse 9, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. And finally in verse 11, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David's joy was rooted in God. And then in verses 3 and 4, we see that David loves the things that God loves, and he hates the things that God hates. As for the saints in the land, he says in verse 3, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God, they shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. So specifically, we see that David delights in the people of God, those whom he calls excellent ones or holy ones. And then on the other hand, he rightly observes that those who chase after other little g-gods end up having their sorrows multiplied. And he refuses to worship those gods that won't satisfy him. Now, in times of stress and high pressure, I think it would be easy for us to come to this text and re read these first four verses specifically differently. Here's how I see this potentially playing out for us. In verse 1, we see that David's 
in danger. He's crying out to him for refuge. And you may feel right now that you are in danger in some way, and so you experience fear. And then in verse 3, we can feel a great sense of loss. Like David, we find great delight in being in the presence of others who take refuge in God and find joy and contentment in him. And right now we can't do that. So you may be feeling loss. In verse 4, we read about sorrows or hurts or anxieties or worries of those who run after other gods. Now there's a really good chance that in this season we're living in, the Spirit of God is revealing the dark places of our hearts and the reality that we've been hiding little g-gods in our own hearts. It's gotten harder to mask our idols in this time. Some of us may have found that comfort is a God that we've been chasing after. And you might say right now the thing you miss most is your comfort. And for others of us, we might be pressing into comfort more. Things like Netflix or food or social media. Others of us may have been chasing after control, seeking to best manage our lives in a way that minimizes risk or creates a life for ourselves that looks just how we want it. And right now, not much is going according to plan, is it? Maybe you've incorrectly placed your security in things like wealth or your career, and it's taken the loss of a job or loss of hours at your work or, or even the overall decline of your portfolio to realize that your safety and security has been in your stuff and your possessions and your wealth more than Jesus. And when these things begin to get stripped away from us and all these non-essential things, they fall away, we become exposed for the things that we are actually running to for security, for joy, for satisfaction, and for hope. And the realization of the weight of our sin, if not exposed and repented of, it can compound guilt and shame for us. But brothers and sisters, this is exactly why we come to the scriptures. This is why we pray and we read and we meditate on the word of God and specifically the Psalms. When we read rightly and seek the wisdom of God, these words can appropriately speak to our pain, our guilt, and our shame. They lift up our droopy heads to see Jesus for who he is and what he's done for us. The blood of Jesus has paid for your sin. So we no longer have to run and hide from God. We, like David, can hide in God, as he says in verse one. We actually have something on David that makes me marvel at his faith. Even though he was a prophet, he trusted in the resurrection of the coming Savior a thousand years before it happened. Now you and I get 2,000 years of history to look back on historical evidence that it did happen. But that being said, our future is still unknown, isn't it? There are things in our future that are still unknown for us. So we're still prone to wander, we're still prone to doubt, and we're still prone to cry out, how long, O Lord? Now please hear me, friends. Though we see in part, we serve the one who has created the heavens and the earth. He created you and me, and he sovereignly sits on the throne today. He is not panicked, he is not caught off guard, he is not frustrated by the things you're experiencing and feeling right now. He is not surprised. He knows you, he hears you, he sees you, and he loves you. Because David trusted in the promises of God and he believed in the coming resurrection of Jesus Christ, his present reality was changed. He rested in God who was his safe place. David's joy was rooted in God and he loved the things that God loves. How about us? How about you? Is the reality that the Son of God has come, lived a perfect life, died the death that you and I deserved, 
and rose from the grave, conquering sin and death for us. Is that truth real to you today? Is it good news to you? And like David, are you resting in God? Is your joy found in God? Do you love the things that God loves? Let me phrase it this way. If Jesus was still in the grave right now, would your life look any different? Think on that. Because Jesus is alive and his body is not in the grave, has your life been transformed? David trusted his unknown future to a known God, and so did Corey Tinboom. Followers of Jesus, we have nothing to fear today, tomorrow, or any other day in the future. Let us trust our unknown future to our known God and be confident that he's got this. Now, for those of you who may be watching this video, and you may be saying that I'm not a follower of Jesus, but you're hearing these things and your heart's being stirred for him and you're starting to ask some questions, you might be saying, well, what about me? What should I do? If I believe these things or I'm questioning these things, how should I respond? And to that, I want to read what Peter says in Acts 2, starting in verse 36, just after those other verses that we read before. Peter says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. If right now God is calling you to himself, you have only to respond in repentance and faith, believing that Jesus is the one who paid for your sins, that he's the one who makes you right with God. And if you do that, or if you simply have questions about any of this, would you reach out to us? Would you contact us? There are a number of ways you can do that. You can email us, you can call us, you can uh, message us on our social media platforms. Our phone number's everywhere. You can text us. Please reach out to us. We'd love to have a conversation with you about these things. Hey, let's wrap up our time together this morning with the prayer of Psalm 16 over us. Jesus, you are our chosen portion in our cup. You hold our lot. The boundary lines of our inheritance have fallen in the most pleasant of places. For you, Jesus, you are our inheritance. When our life on earth is over, we will lose all the things of this world that we chase after. But God, we will get you, and that is enough for us. Because Jesus is the Holy One who is not abandoned to hell, and because his body is not decaying in the grave, we rejoice in you. You make our hearts glad, Jesus. Lord, would you continue to counsel us in your infinite wisdom, guard and protect us. Keep us from all the little g-gods that will only multiply our sorrows. Remind us daily that all the goods that are good come from the good that is you, O God. For in your presence there is fullness of joy. Jesus, we love you. Increase our joy in you and you alone. Amen. For those of you who know me, you know um, last year I lost my dad. And coming up uh, next uh, Saturday will be the uh, one-year anniversary of his passing. 
And so uh, as uh, we've been getting closer to that date, it's caused me to um, continue to reflect on this past year. And, uh, and even in the season of um, quarantine and uncertainty, it's just this constant reminder of how fragile life really is. And um, <clears throat> there's a, a verse at the very end of 2 Corinthians, uh, Apostle Paul is writing a, a letter to the, to the church in Corinth, and he ends with this verse. And you can imagine uh, when you end a letter uh, writing to someone that you care about, the last part of the letter, the last sentence, the last words are of the most important. So I want to read this over us as we, as we end our time. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In this time of separation, and this time of um, uncertainty and this time of just this constant reminder of how fragile life really is. Nothing can ever, ever, ever separate us. Nothing can ever take away the grace that we have in Jesus. The grace that sustains us, the grace that gives us everything that we need and that everything that we don't deserve we have been given to us by Jesus the adoption as sons and daughters, the forgiveness of sin, the righteousness that we need to stand before the presence of a holy God, the promise of eternal life, the promise of protection. All of these things has been given to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. By his grace, we are sustained. And that has kept me in this season, and I hope it is keeping you as well. And the love of the Father, the love of the Father comforts us I mean, just think about the Father, the the one who created all things, the one who brought everything into existence, the one who controls everything. It is He who loves us with an eternal love, a love that started at the very beginning of all creation and will never, ever, ever end. I hope that comforts you in this time. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God lives and dwells within us. What else can give us such peace in this time of being alone, this time of separation, uh, this time of uncertainty? Guys, we have great hope in this time, in this day, today, this morning, because we have the grace of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So as you go throughout this day, may you go in that grace, may you go in that love, and may you go in the presence of the Holy Spirit and be encouraged, be comforted, and have peace. We love you guys, and we look forward to seeing you soon.